Transmitter device activated. Coordinates set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC multiverse and the legacy of Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back. Today, it's all about the Golden Age, isn't it, Peter? It certainly is, yes. It is, yes, because we're doing issue 151 of The Flash, which went on sale in January 1965 with a cover date of March 1965. And this is the first issue of The Flash that we've done in quite a while, isn't it? It certainly is, yeah. Because we did 137, which doesn't really feel that, lo- that long ago, mm-hmm. but issue 137 came out in April 1963. So this is nearly two years without a, a Flash Flash team up in the pages of Barry Allen's comic. Mm. Interesting. Yes. And issue 151 features and focuses on, and the main baddie, if you like, to put it neatly, is the Shade. Yes. And we've mentioned the Shade before in reference when we've talked about the James Robinson Starman series of the 90s. We've, mm-hmm. you know, we mentioned that before. Obviously, we've mentioned that series a lot because we did the Starman episode. Oh. And we've obviously talked about Starman reappearing recently in Crisis on Earth 3. The Shade is one of the, probably the lead supporting character in the in the James Robinson yeah, series. Yeah, definitely. So, and huh? it's very interesting because in our research for this issue, we've kind of found out that the Shade only made one appearance in the Golden Age. Which is bizarre. You would think it? you think he'd be all over the Golden Age, but no. Because he's bec- we've become so used to him being such a big part of, I suppose, the retroactive continuity that was done in stuff like Starman and Stars and Stripe and the, yeah. the modern JSA title, all, mainly stuff that James Robinson did. That we, we mm-hmm. we've come to think of the Shade, I suppose, as quite a major player in the Golden Age. You but, kind of imagine him fighting Jay all the time. Yeah, pretty much. But, but it's just literally just the one. Yeah, he's I he's mean, in a story in Flash Comics issue thirty three, which was in sale in September nineteen forty two. And he did appear, obviously, in Flash 1, 2, 3. He was one of the, the baddies in that that was giving Barry and Jay a hard time in Flash 2 Worlds. I'm kind of stunned to actually... Because yeah, I had it in my head that he was a member of the Injustice Society mm. and he was in many issues of All-Star Comics, but not, he wasn't. Not at that stage, <laughs> no. Uh, but what's, what I find fascinating as well is in the Golden Age, uh, there weren't that many supervillains. Uh, that was kind of like a later introduction that yeah. they did. Uh, yeah, you said that before. It's mostly, wow. you know, criminals, ordinary mm. criminals are up against mm. it. It's more the fun of how they catch these criminals Yeah, uh, that told the story. So this was an attempt to bring in more threatening bad guys. Yeah. So. And one thing we'll talk about, and apologies to anyone that hasn't read the James Robinson Starman series, hopefully you will have because it's terrific. And if you haven't, please seek it out. You'll probably find the back issues fairly cheaply now and it's been collected a few times. We'll probably talk about the differences between the shades as we kind of have them in our head because we're used to them from the, the 90s and 90s Absolutely, stories yes. versus what he's actually like in this. He's a bit more arch in this. Yeah, the nature of his powers is very different. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that, obviously. We don't want to give too much of it away immediately. So, shall we crack on? Yes, but I'm, I'm still flabbergasted at the fact that it's been so long. Nearly mm-hmm. two years. Yeah. So, you know, in the meantime, since Flash 137, which also, if you, if you remember, listeners, was the episode that had... The story, Vengeance of the Immortal Villain, the yes. one that had the first full sort of in-story appearance of the Justice Society, Absolutely, huh? not in a flashback. Since then, we've had the first JLA JSA team up proper, mm-hmm. and the second one, we've been to numerous parallel offs with Superman and Batman and Lois Lane, mm-hmm. and Superboy's had some bother, and we've met Zatanna, and all that sort of stuff. So quite a lot has gone on in between the two, the last time that Barry and Jay teamed up together. And yet, when you think of the multiverse, you always think... Primarily, it's through Flash and through the Justice League team ups. Mm, the Justice yeah. League team ups were annual, but you thought Flash was kind of an yeah. annual thing as well at the time. But I think Flash is only published about eight times a year. At right. This stage, I think. Yeah, that, which is, I I, it probably explains. But, you know, issue 137 was only eight issues after 129, mm. and then 129 was only six issues after 123. Yeah. So, you know, there's a precedent for them to be quite close together. So I'm, yeah. I'm kind of fascinated that it's been a whole, what, 14 issues, but nearly two years. Let's have a look. Published monthly with the exception of January, April, July and October. They were, eight times a year. The, mm-hmm. the detail, Flash 151, which, as I say, cover date of March 65 on sale in January 65. So we finally made it into 1965. Welcome. Blimey. To the mid-60s. The cover is really nice, actually. It's, it's beauty. quite appropriate for the shade. It's a lovely grey background cover. Mm. With the shade, with a kind of ebony force field around Yeah, that's, uh, that's fair. Which is great. Uh, you've got Jay, yeah. who's also trapped within an ebony force field. Restrained in a chair, and, and the shade is standing in a big pile of cash and jewels. It's terrific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Barry Flash is trying to punch the shade, and he's thinking, not even my super speed can penetrate the dark barrier that's protecting the shade and imprisoning my fellow Flash. Blimey. A new double Flash thriller. Invader from, from the, the dark, dark dimension. dimension. So, we kick off with... 
The blackness came first, an eerie hue of solid jet which swallowed up everything valuable around it. After the blackness came the creatures of the dark dimension, invulnerable even to that master of all swiftness, the Flash. Only the Duke of Darkness, the Shade, could command their obedience. With the Scarlet Speedster helpless and the Shade triumphant, neither Earth-1 nor Earth-2 had any defense against Invader from, from the, the Dark, dark dimension. dimension. I love this opening splash because there's a nice, there's a, we have a nice big Flash logo and there's a little insert box with Jay tipping his hat and waving. That puts me in mind of a, a phrase in a panel in the Golden Age, the, the James Robinson miniseries from the 90s. Oh, right, okay. Which I think has something like a phrase along the lines of Jay tipping his hat and waving. Fair enough. It's lovely. And the image in the, the opening splash is basically, well, what, what's the Flash thinking to himself here, Peter? If a concentrated dose of lightning doesn't stop this alien beast from the dark zone, nothing will. And there's like a big black... It's surrounded by the, the sort of force field that we described on the cover. Big, it's like the silhouette of a bear. It's huge, it's enormous, and Barry's running along it, zapping it with a big lightning bolt which he's got in his hands. It's quite exciting. Certainly I wonder is. where the big scary bear silhouette thing came from. I wonder. So, into the story. Barry and Iris have been engaged for two years, Blimey. but they still haven't got an engagement ring. <laughs> uh, and so, they are out. They're out shopping. shopping. And, they, yep, and they eventually find one. And they're in the jewellers, and... Moments later, beaming eyes examine the unusual jewel in its unusual setting. And Iris is holding the ring up, and Barry looks quite sceptical. It's quite funny, and Iris is delighted. And she says, I must try it on. Oh, Barry, I'm so thrilled. Barry says, Me too. I was beginning to think you'd never own an engagement ring, honey. Let's see how it looks. As Iris puts down the ring to pull off her glove, she does not notice a black spot materialize on the display counter. And that's what we see. The spot grows and grows swiftly and silently, encompassing the ring, so that when Iris reaches for it... And it looks almost like someone spilled some ink on the counter, yeah. and the ring is kind of trapped in it, and Iris is trying to pick it up, and she says, Oh, Barry, it's caught. Something has hold of it. With a scream of mingled fear and anger, the girl sees the dark blotch enlarge until... Oh, my goodness. It swallowed up my ring. Barry, get it out. I'm trying to, but this... Black stuff is hard as steel. And the black blob has increased in size, spreading out. Barry's got a hold of it, and he's trying to go to the ring, but he's, nothing's happening. Larger grows the incredible darkness until... And then the man in the jeweler's shop says, This is the most fantastic thing I've ever seen. I better get help. And he runs off, and Iris kind of starts to follow him, and she says, I'll go with the clerk, Barry. You stay put. Keep tabs on it. And by this point, the black blob that was on the table has now grown up. It's taller than Barry. It's broader than Barry. And it looks as though Barry's trying to hold it back. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. As Iris and the clerk run to sound the alarm, Barry uses the super speed of his hands to try and crack the strange substance. We can see Barry's hands blotting at high speed and he thinks to himself, Nobody can see what I'm doing, so it's safe to... Oh, I can't even dent it. Fantastic. Larger grows the eerie barrier until it fills half the store. And we see Barry and Iris and the jewellery store clerk and a couple of people out on the street and the big black mass has consumed the building. And Iris says... Barry, what a story for the picture news, Barry thinks. Huh, how about that? After hunting two years for a ring, after finding it, then losing it, her main concern is for the scoop she's getting for her newspaper. I guess <laughs> I'll never understand women. Fantastic. Priorities. Police sirens wail as prowl cars pull up to the site of the occurrence. Iris commandeers a street corner phone booth. People surround the storefront and, alone, off to one side... Barry's popped around the corner and he thinks to himself, Here's my chance to switch to the flash. With all this commotion, nobody will notice me. A thought's occurring to me here. Mm -hmm. The caption there, police sirens wail as prowl cars pull up to the site of the occurrence. Yes. I've genuinely never heard that, that term before. Neither have I. Do you think that's where the transformer that turned into a police car got his name from? <laughs> Could well be. Could well be. I'm more struck by the fact that Barry's about to change costume while someone else is in the phone booth. Yeah, what's well, Iris? You, that's what I mean. It's usually the other way around. Yeah, that's the cliche, isn't yes. it? That's what Sabine does. Yeah. Both so. Barry, Allen, bow ties are cool. <laughs> we should also say at this point, Carmine's artwork, it's a little looser still. Remember we did that Elongated Man story? Yes. Uh -huh. a search. Mm hmm we commented then when we were doing that Ralph Disney story that his art yeah. style is quite loose. Mm -hmm. I'm noticing it here as well. It's it might be he's got more issues things mm. to do. I mean, there's still the detail oh, yeah, huh? in the background with the cityscape. You're still getting that nice sort of central city cityscape going mm -hmm. on. But the figures and stuff do seem a little... 
A little bit looser. Mm-hmm. So this is the the charting the decline of Carmine Infantino's art. Not decline, the change. <laughs> yes, the okay. Change I'm being style. unkind. There we are. So we move on to page four. From his pocket, Barry slips on a special ring and presses a secret spring, causing a tiny red costume to erupt from it and expand when it hits the air. A lovely little panel of the, the costume change sequence there. That's great. Before a second can tick by, the Scarlet Speedster flashes toward the dark barrier looming in the doorway. And there's a policeman outside trying to maintain the crowd and he says, Everybody, back! And Iris thinks to herself, I should have the ending for the story in a minute. The Flash just showed up and sure enough, Barry Flash is coming into view in the background of the panel and in the foreground of the panel we can see the big black mass that's consumed the shop. Vibrating so swiftly that his body is a blur, the fastest man on earth slams into the blackness. See Barry zooming up towards the black mass and he thinks, Once I vibrate inside this thing, I'll find out what this is all about. And then the caption for the next panel says, Next instant, he bounces back off the weird ebon substance. And we see Barry Flash bouncing back violently and he thinks to himself, Incredible! At my speed, I can vibrate through the densest material. What can this stuff be made of? And the bottom captions of page four, the first one says, he tries the friction of hands rubbed with super swiftness over the smooth black surface. And sure enough, it almost looks like he's given a bit of a polish. He does, super yeah. Super speed polish, but that doesn't work. And indeed he says, this doesn't work. And then the next caption says, And the awesome tension of feet drummed with the force of a thousand trip hammers against the ebony material. And then this panel just looks like he's dancing on top yeah, of it. Yeah, he's taking a big tap dance. It's great. And but un- he's unsuccessful because he says, Nor this. That's the end of page four. Continued in second page following. And the next page is actually a lovely full-page advert for, for the G.I. Joe action figure. I've seen on your TV screen, I'm G.I. Joe, great soldier boy ever owned. I'm over 11 inches tall. I have 21 movable parts. You can put me in a thousand different fighting positions, standing, kneeling, crawling, charging with rifle or flamethrower, tossing grenades. I can do anything a soldier does on manoeuvres or in battle. I can be your action marine. I can scramble as an action pilot. I'm also an action sailor. Fantastic. Was we, it was Action Man we had over here, wasn't yes. it? Have you seen the uh, G.I. Joe documentary from on the toys that made us? I, I'm sure I have. I've okay. seen a few episodes it's of that. It's heartbreaking. I have. It's I must the, have done. The guy that created G.I. Joe sold it for That's a, right. a, a tiny, I, tiny amount. I have seen it. Maybe one day we'll start doing a, a podcast where we read every issue of the Marvel G.I. Joe comic, probably up to volume 7 of the RDW hardback reprints, because that's all I've got. I look maybe, forward to your solo podcast. Yes, maybe, maybe, maybe I should. Anyway, <laughs> right, so we move on to page 5. And the caption on page five says, He goes under the dark blob, only to learn it is as solid on the bottom <laughs> as it is on the top. I, hate, I love when that happens. So it's a great panel. It's a long distance shot, almost a cutaway mm-hmm. of the building. We can see people and police and cars, police car, the prowl car, in fact. And Barry Flash has vibrated underground and he's trying to come up underneath the black mass which is surrounding the building. But he thinks... Can't even scratch it. And then in the caption for the next panel... He vibrates through the steel and glass of the building to stand on top of the blob with the same negative results. Yep, we see Barry standing on top of the blob and he thinks... I've exhausted my repertoire of speed tricks. What do I do now? And the caption for the next panel... Then, as Flash dashes outside again, desperately hoping to come up with another course of action... see Barry running away from the building in the general direction where Iris is standing. And Iris declares... Nice work, Flash. It's shrinking. Soon as it disappears, I'll get my ring and your exclusive story. What a day this has been. In the doorway of the store, a sob of despair rises from her throat as Iris sees... And we can see Iris and a couple of the policemen running into the jewellery shop. Barry Flash is running in the opposite direction. Iris exclaims, Oh, the black blob is gone, but so are all the jewels in the store, including my engagement ring. Barry thinks... Nothing more the Flash can do here, and since Iris will be expecting to see Barry right about now, I'd better change back to my other self. Out of sight of the curious eyes, Flash doffs his uniform and presses another part of his ring, which draws the rapidly shrinking uniform back inside it with a small but powerful suction device. I'm a bit surprised that the Flash didn't go over to investigate Iris, noticing that, you know... Well... I suppose he's probably thinking the police are there and... Yeah, and obviously he should be there as Barry, so... So, yeah, so... We see the, the costume shrinking back down into Barry's ring. Moments later, and Iris says, Oh, there you are, Barry. Well, the ring's gone. Even the Flash couldn't get it back. So so I heard. Uh, how about a drive round town? Might get your mind off all this. And in the next panel, we see them zooming along in Iris's yellow motor. Lovely convertible. Yeah, it's great. And the caption says, As Iris pulls out into traffic, her car radio comes alive. And we see a voice coming out of the radio, and it says, 
To bring you the following news bulletin, strange creatures surrounded by a black barrier have been sighted in the north end of Central City. Barry, listen to that! These dark beings are flying, leaping, crawling along the ground, stealing everything valuable in their path. My reporter's instinct tells me there's some sort of tie-up between these creatures and the black oddballs who stole my ring. Lips tight with determination, the girl reporter speeds skillfully through the city traffic. And there's a great ground-level panel with the exhaust of Iris's car as she zooms off and she says... Soon as the Flash hears about those thieving alien creatures, he'll be around to stop them. Barry, I'm going there too. Okay, hon, but let me off first. Barry, you're a policeman. It seems to me you'd want to help. I do want to help, but I'm a laboratory analyst, not a field investigator. My job is to analyse information other policemen bring to me. I'll go directly to the lab and help from there. Cracking panel, that. Bottom page six. It's like Paul Newman and Audrey Hepburn. I was thinking it's like something out of heart to heart. Yeah, it's it's, it's exactly, it's, it's lovely. So yes, apologies, Carmine. So we move on to page seven, which shows the flash zooming off and round Iris's car. The caption says, Scarcely does Iris drop her fiancé at a nearby sidewalk then. And as he zooms past, the flash thinks, I changed into my flash outfit even before Iris pulled away from the curb. Now, when she arrives in the north end of town, she'll find Flash already at work, trying to succeed where he failed before. Moving on to the next panel of page seven, and basically... It kind of looks like this, the big, black, scary silhouette of an anteater, doesn't it? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, looming outside the... Who's had his ready break. He's yeah, got the force field around Yeah, him. he has the, the same sort of silhouette force field thing mm. outside a bank. And the caption says, Some distance ahead of the Scarlet Speedster, a massive something is trudging into the north side bank. And there's a couple of punters on the, the steps up to the bank. And one's a lady and one's a man. And the lady says, What is it? And the man says, Where did it come from? <laughs> and then the caption for the next panel... Where it passes, all money disappears. Police bullets bounce off the black shell around it. We're now inside the bank and there's a couple of policemen shooting at the big outer space anteater as the Flash zooms in. And one of the policemen says, Okay, Flash, take over. And the other policeman says, We're getting nowhere against that nightmare. Then the caption for the bottom panel on page 7. The monarch of motion spins like a super dervish, hurling a torrent of vibrations at the uncanny presence. And that's, I suppose, what we're seeing. Yeah. The big anteater has its snout pointing towards where Barry's standing, and he's looks like he's just sort of spinning, and that must be mm-hmm. what he's doing. Barry Flash thinks to himself, I've set up shockwaves equal to those created by a small atom bomb, Blimey. only they don't seem to bother it. Wow. That's a bit reckless, I think, yeah. Barry. I mean, there could be all sorts of collateral damage. Mm-hmm. So we move on to page eight, and the caption at the top says, Moments afterward, completely untouched by the awesome speed blast which the Flash flings at it, the creature emerges from the bank. And we see the Flash out on the pavement, running away from the bank, and the big outer space anteater silhouette bursting through the door, the door shattering around it. And Barry Flash thinks, I couldn't stop the thing from robbing, but maybe I can prevent its getaway. And the next panel, we see him digging down into the ground. And the caption says, Working with such amazing swiftness that no one can see him, he digs a mighty pit before the bank steps. It's a really nice panel, actually. The, the kind of detail. Carmine does good spontaneous hole digging, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. So Barry Flash, as he's flinging the dirt up around him, thinks, That thing is too big to jump over this hole. It'll fall into it. Caption for the next panel. Next moment, the alien topples over the rim and slides down inside the excavation. And we see the anteater silhouette falling into the hole as Barry Flash runs out, thinking to himself, And it's too heavy to crawl out. I've caught it! And then we have a, a lovely, wonderful little pointy finger <laughs> which tells us, Story continues on the next page. And we move on to page nine for chapter two, entitled Invader from the Dark Dimension, part two. It's another sort of splash page. We see the silhouette of, it's like a bird with a big long snout and the Flash is regarding it and the caption says, The beating of dark wings overhead alerts the Scarlet Speedster to the fact that his work has only begun. Swooping low above the city streets, heading towards a display of art objects in a public park, comes another monstrosity out of nightmare. But what can the fastest man on earth do against a foe that is seemingly out of his reach? Barry Flash is regarding the beautiful black birdie silhouette and he's thinking, Got to track this one down, find another way of capturing it. We go to page 10 and the first caption says, As the winged creature skims the art display, absorbing rare treasures as it does, 
So the Crimson Comet spurts forward. Yeah, and we see Barry Flash running, and there's an empty dais where obviously a statue had stood, but the big scary bird creature's got it, and then we mm. see the birds hovering over another statue, and Flash thinks, While I can't make direct contact with it, I can battle it with a cyclonic-like wind. For the next panel, we see Barry doing that old running around the ground, like almost like a spinning top sort of thing, and yes. high speed creating a vortex. Iris is driving up, and the caption for this panel says, To one side, an overjoyed Iris West hops up and down to encourage the man she is counting on to get her engagement ring back. And Iris is shouting from her convertible, Go to it, Flash! Punish them off, Flash style! Around and around goes the fastest man on Earth, setting up a titanic whirlwind that grips the alien creature and spins it. This is a great panel showing Barry at work. It's, I mean, it's a nice proper Flash Yes, panel it's doing a classic, flash classic type things. Yeah, yeah, he's created a sort of whirlwind vortex. He's got the blackbird thing trapped in it, and Barry Flash is thinking, "Things are going my way at last. It won't be stealing any more statues while it stays put." We move on to the bottom panel of page ten, and the caption says, "There is no time for further self-congratulation. For at this moment, the Flash sees another threat looming up." And looming in from the, the right of the panel, it's the silhouette of the big black bear that was in the splash panel. Yes, and Iris cries. Oh, this one looks tougher than the other two combined. And the Flash says, I have my work cut out for me with that monstrous thing. So we move on to page 11, but opposite page 11, we have a full page advertisement for the 80-page giant issue 8, which is Secret Origins. Oh, that's a beauty. Have you ever owned a copy of that? Uh, not that one, no. I don't think I have ever. I'm sure I've got the reprint from the noughties, but anyway. So, page 11. Neither super swift vibrations, nor awesome fits, nor cyclonic wind has any effect on the mighty Colossus. And it's a little triptych of three long panels. See Barry as the Flash trying to do a whirlwind against the big scary bear silhouette. He's trying to dig a hole to trap the bear. And then, last panel's a cracker. He's doing a one-armed whirlwind with his right arm. I love that. Brilliant. And during each of these sort of attempts, there's a nice little flow of his thought process because he's thinking, I fought some formidable opponents in my time. But this one cups the prize for sheer invulnerability. I think we should put that little sequence on the socials. Yeah, it's good. I like it. It's cool. Mm -hmm. Right, so, next caption says, Suddenly, the Scarlet Speedster cuts off his super speed stunts, and... And we see Iris standing inside the convertible, and she's shouting over at Flash, saying, Flash, what are you gaping at? There's nothing up there to help you. And Barry is thinking, I wonder, that dark cloud on the horizon and the bolt of lightning may be the weapon I need to stop that colossus. Speeding past the outskirts of town, he windmills his arms to blow the dark cloud before him. And there's a lovely big comic book style dark cloud with lightning flashing, Shazam style lightning bolts flashing down from mm. it, off in the distance. And Barry's twirling his arm and he thinks, Actually, lightning is invisible. What the eye sees is the path of burning air through which the bolt of electricity is just passed. That's very interesting. Flash facts. Yeah. I love flash facts. What's your favourite flash fact? I think we've done this already, but we're doing it again. You're going to do the bit of straw (laughs) yes yeah the bit of straw that's been buried in a tree trunk because it was getting blown so quickly I think that's amazing I've I've never seen it in all all my days though we don't really live in you know like uh, we don't live in the American Midwest in in typhoons or you know uh, whirlwind areas Uh, so, so um, yeah, Barry is obviously he's driving this cloud the caption for the bottom panel of page 11 says as the cloud moves above the dark monster, jagged yellow bolts stab downward, touching and hammering its colossal bulk. Yep, and we see that happening, and Flash is still twirling his arm, creating the, the vortexy thingy to move the, the cloud, and the Flash is thinking to himself, They aren't even tickling it. Yet, lightning contains up to 340,000 amperes, and only 2,400 are needed to kill a man. I've got to do something more. And I think I know what it is. Do you think Barry did some reading up on the properties of lightning after he was struck by it? Possibly. Possibly. I think that might be my favourite flash fact. Do you know what my favourite flash fact is? <laughs> it's the one about the straw. Anyway, so we move on to page 12. And we're basically at the opening splash panel. Yes. Which we saw at the start of the story. Barry is running up over the big scary bear silhouette, bearing a lightning bolt. The caption says... Moving even more swiftly than the lightning bolts themselves, the Scarlet Speedster pushes against them, protected by the aura of his super swift body, joining them into a single massive bolt. Yep, and as we say, he's 
Do you think it's kind of reminds you of the silly power that they've given him in more recent times where he can generate electricity and fire it? I'm not a fan of that, to I'm be I'm really not a fan of that. He doesn't they, they gave it to, um, they've given it to Captain Marvel, strokes his arm. Yeah. Which does lead to, obviously, a couple of funny bits in the movie, which isn't bad, right. I suppose. The bit with the bus, the bit with and the And the charging gun. phones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love so. that. See, when I saw it in the trailer, I was like, Mm, at the end of the time it happened in the film I loved it what did you think of the Shazam movie listeners do let us know so we move on to panel 2 of page 12 the caption says then as Flash and Iris watch the alien creature fades away yep we see the bare silhouette dissolving in the background of the panel and Iris says Flash you did it you made all those alien creatures go back where they came from now how about going after them and get my ring back I I can't Iris there's no way for me to penetrate the mysterious black barrier that protects them Caption for the next panel says, Despair slumps the girl reporter's shoulders. And Iris says, I was counting on you so much. I I guess I'll never wear an engagement ring now because there's no other one like it on Earth. And Barry has a classic, oh, classic, classic moment here. You as... see him clicking his fingers in the forefront of the panel and he thinks, Hey, wait, on Earth 1 maybe? Uh-huh. But how about on Earth 2? Have you ever tried clicking your fingers wearing a pair of gloves? Yes, it depends on the gloves. Okay. But you can't really, you don't really make much of a noise. No. Anyway, Barry continues to think. Earth 2 is another Earth separated from ours by a vibrational barrier. I've had adventures in it. And Jay Garrick, who is the Flash on that other Earth, came to Earth 1 to get a duplicate meteor he needed to save his Earth. As a little footnote that says, Editor's note, say Flash number 129, double danger on Earth 1. Or indeed, our earlier episode. Yes. The next panel, Barry's running away. It's horrible, actually. Barry Flash is running away as Iris stands in the background looking dejected, leaning against the motor, and Flash is thinking, There are doubles of practically everything on these two Earths, so there's a good chance there's a duplicate of Iris's lost ring on Earth too. But I can't go there at this critical moment when I'm in the middle of a case tracking down these ebony aliens. Moving on to page 13, and the caption very helpfully says, As Barry Allen, he returns to his police laboratory where... And Barry thinks... I noticed that whenever I came close to those alien creatures, my body started vibrating in an odd manner. By analysing those vibrations, I may come up with some clue as to their origin. We see Barry at work under a, an overhead lamp. The caption says, He busies himself with an electronic vibration detector. Barry thinks, Just as fingerprints leave their telltale marks, so do vibrations. I'll record these still lingering on my body on a punched card. That's fascinating. He kind of pulled out of his hat in as much as... You know, there was no mention of it earlier in yeah, the point. And it's also worth saying we're more than halfway point of the story now and there's no sign of Jay Garrick. No, or the shade. Yeah, interesting. So. Some, yes, enjoying the build-up. It's good. So, armed with the pattern of the vibrations, he feeds the data into a computer and soon after... Good gosh, these vibrations match those I obtained from the cane of the shade when I last tangled with him. Aha! There's a little asterisk in a caption that says, Editor's note, say flash number 123... Flash of Two Worlds, or indeed our earlier episode. Yes. So, very moody shot of Barry in the next panel as he thinks. The Shade lives on Earth too, but I doubt that those alien creatures came from there. So, how is the Shade involved in this mystery? My starting point for cleaning up this mystery is to vibrate myself into Earth 2. Pause for repetition for saying mystery twice, Barry. I'm not happy with that. So we move on to... We'll pause just for a second because he's talking about the Shade. He says the Shade lives on Earth too, mm-hmm. but he doubts these creatures came from there. They're shadow creatures. Yes, of a big, some of them yeah. made of a big black shapeless or shaping mass. And that's kind of his modus operandi. Hmm. Anyway. Caption for panel five says, As he has done a number of times in the past, the Flash races into the old theatre, which is a gateway between the two Earths, where... And we see Barry vibrating away quite happily on the stage, and he thinks, As soon as I get there, I'll contact the Flash of Earth 2, Jay Garrick. Perhaps he knows something about the shade that will explain matters. Caption for the next panel. Soon after, an answer to the Scarlet Speedster's knock on the door of the Garrick home. Lady's hand opens the door from the inside, and the Flash thinks, Good gosh, there's the same ring Iris wanted for an engagement ring. We move on to page 14, and who's opened the door? Well, Caption tells us. Then the door swings wide, and he finds himself staring at Mrs. J. Garrick, the former Joan Williams. Flash, it's good to see you. Hmm, you're staring at my ring, and no wonder. It was my engagement ring. The only one like it on Earth. Yeah. Well, we have, I mean, it's it's quite a nice idea that, that coincidentally that Barry and Iris and Jay and Joan went after the same ring. It's, mm-hmm. it's quite cute. It's nice. True. So the Flash, he looks a bit dejected, to be honest, <laughs> in this 
terrible side on view of him and he thinks and there is a double of irises ring here but I couldn't possibly ask Joan to part with it I love how he obviously he's considered asking her yes uh, but then mm-hmm. decides against it mm, yeah he's given mm. it he's, he's very considerate as Barry Flash so as Joan leads him into the living room and we see Jay Garrick sitting down and giving Barry a wave and he says Hi, Barry. What brings you to Earth, too? Barry replies, The Shade, let me tell you of the incredible happenings of the past half-dozen hours on Earth-1. When his story is concluded, the Earth-2 Flash draws a deep breath, then plunges into his own recital. Barry and Jay both sat down facing each other, chatting away nicely. Jay says, Oddly enough, the case I was just about to go out on also concerns the Shade. Lately, he's been spending money as if it was going out of style. I really like these bottom panels, page 14 now. There's a sort of cut-out panel of Jay, and he's having flashbacks to what has been going on previously. So there's a caption which has Jay's thoughts, and the caption says, The Shade was released from prison for good conduct after we last put him there. Soon after, he began living it up. And it's obviously Jay and Joan are having dinner somewhere. It looks like, you know, they're at the club it's, or at an event. It's quite fancy. Jay's wearing a tie. Joan's got a nice dress on. They're drinking from teacups. The shades at the next table. He's throwing money. There's notes flying up in there. I thought, I must confess, I thought it was just part of the, the, the decor of the restaurant. But there's money and there's notes floating up there. And he declares, I'm treating everyone in the place to dinner. Since the shade never earned an honest dollar in his life, all his money must have come from robberies. Only, there have been no report of any such robberies. So, I decided to trail him. Nice panel of the shade strolling along on a moonlit boulevard with Jay vibrating along behind him. And Jay thinks... I'll keep him in view until I learn where he gets the fortune he's been squandering. I'll vibrate so swiftly he won't know he's being followed. Move to the top of page 15, the caption says as Jay continues. Sure enough, I caught him visiting an art dealer. A fence who turns stolen goods into cash with a rare Cellini vase. We see Jay busting into the dealer's shop. There's all sorts. There's a candle thing, some books on the counter. There's some more books on the counter. Various sort of things just lying around. It looks like the sort of place that Jack Knight might go to buy some stock. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, so. so Jay busts in and he cries, Hold it! That's a Cellini cup. There's only one like it and it belongs to a foreign museum. And Shade responds, On the contrary, Flash, it belongs to me. A quick check brought the astonishing news that two such masterpieces must exist for... There's a close-up of the Cellini cup, presumably, on the counter of the of the shop, yes. I think. Yeah, and Jay says... The museum still has its cup, yet that one's a perfect duplicate of it. I don't understand it. Ah. And the shade says... Let's just say I'm too clever for you, Flash. And then we're back in Jay Garrick's house, mm-hmm. and Jay continues... Now, of course, I understand everything... The Shade has been robbing on Earth-1. Barry Flash says, And he must have been robbing for quite a while, perhaps secretly at first. Now he's come right out into the open. I'm convinced he's behind the mysterious dark creatures that have appeared on my Earth. Within moments, the Flashes of two worlds race out of Keystone City. It's a lovely panel of the two Flashes running side by side with a city silhouetted behind them. Yes. And Jay declares... We'll pay the Shade a visit and confront him with the truth. Barry says, But since the Shade is so tricky, I'm going to remain invisible. That way, I'll have a counter move for any trick he tries to spring on you. Is there a precedent for Barry's Flash being able to turn himself invisible? Uh, he has vibrated into invisibility before, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. And obviously, Jay just did it in the in his recollection. I vibrate so swiftly when he's being followed. Well, he doesn't seem invisible. Okay, right. I do like this panel because it does remind me about a flash of two worlds with the two flashes running towards you, either side by side. Yeah. Anyway. So the caption for the next panel says, as Jay busts in on the shade. Soon afterward, Jay Flash races into the house of the Duke of Darkness. And Shade says, The Flash... So good of you to visit me. Come in. Come in by all means. You old sweet talk your way out of this, Shade. You've been robbing on Earth One. By Erebus. I'm surprised you didn't tumble to it sooner, Flash. Yes, you're perfectly right. I made a fortune. A dozen fortunes on Earth One. Thanks to you. Thanks to me? Have a chair, Flash. And I'll tell you all about it. Top of page 16 now, and there's a sequence of panels very similar to Jay's little flashback. We have a sequence of Shade heads and hands just gesticulating as he's talking about what's going on. And Shade is saying to Jay, Yes, Flash, it was you who showed me how to vibrate from Earth 2 into Earth 1. You see, I've admired on you for some time and was watching when you carved a pathway between worlds. And we see in a flashback uh, the Shade hiding behind a bush, watching Jay vibrate. Yeah. And he's thinking, He's vibrating in an odd manner. What's he up to? We move on to the next flashback. I caught those vibrations with my cane. But I duplicating them by pressing down the plunger that activates my walking stick. And we see the shade leaning over, surrounded by darkness. I'm in a strange zone of utter darkness. 
Fortunately, however, the special contact lenses I wear enable me to see perfectly. And he continues. From that dark dimension, I could look into both Earth 1 and Earth 2. And we see the shade enclosed in a, in a yeah. box of darkness, uh, looking either side at two identical uh, streets. It's almost like this dark place that he's in is like a limbo between the two worlds. It's mm -hmm. very interesting, isn't it? Yeah, another way to travel yeah. between Earths. And, and he's thinking... Two Earths. Simply fantastic. Why? I could rob in one and enjoy my ill-gotten gains in the other, and no one would be the wiser. And he continues telling Jay... With the powers over the Dark Zone and its alien inhabitants, which my cane gave me, I was soon robbing on Earth One, where and when I willed. And we see the shade leaning over in his dark dimension, but he's surrounded by lots of money on the floor. Huge, flipping great wadges of cash. Yes, and, he, <laughs> and he's thinking... I can extend the impenetrable darkness of the Dark Zone, so it will admit only objects of value through it, and to me, thanks to my marvellous cane. As the shade concludes his narrative... Jay sat in the chair that the shade offered him. Jay says, Now you've admitted your guilt, I'll take you to Earth One for punishment. Oh, come now, Flash. You underestimate me. Do you really think I'd have told you all that if there was the slightest chance of you stopping me? To his horror, the Earth Two Flash discovered that he cannot rise from the chair. And it's almost like, you know the sort of lamp that the dentist pulls over to, you know, yes. to illuminate his ways. he's mm. peering into your gob. It's like there's one of those now above Jay and it's, there's a little beam coming down from it. Jay's gonna, oh, oh, can't get out of the chair and he says, but what have you done to me? And the shade responds, All the while I've been talking to you, Invisible black light has been beaming down on you, the cumulative effect of which is to bar you from ever leaving it. What a triumph over my arch foe! <laughs> At the shade's mocking laughter, the Earth One Flash leaps forward. The shot of Jay in the chair, the shade facing him, and Barry Flash zooming in from the right. Barry Flash thinking, Am I ever glad I had the foresight to remain invisible? Now to turn the shade's triumph into defeat and free my fellow Flash. But even as his fist slams against the shade... Barry cries, Oh, I've become visible! And we see the shade surrounded by the kind of force field energy that uh, his, the shadow monsters we saw earlier on yeah. were surrounded by. And he exclaims, Ah, by Erebus, it's my other vaunted foe, the Earth One Flash. You see, I remember you, and I'm way ahead of you, I might add. I surrounded myself with an unseen black aura, in case the Flash of my world tried any invisibility tricks on me. Made you appear as soon as you touched me. I never figured I'd catch you this way, though. However, now that you're here... Go ahead, he says to Barry Flash. Try to capture me. Don't let me just stand here. And we've got a great close-up of the shade, and he continues. No, wait. I have a better idea. And in the next panel, bottom page 17, the shade is suddenly standing on his flipping great wadges of cash. Yes. Barry looks appalled. The shade, still surrounded by the little aura, says, I'll stand on top of my accumulated wealth to make it more inviting for you. All you have to do is overcome me and recover the loot of my many Earth One robberies. Well, come on. Give it that old super speed try. And Flash is thinking, I know he's tempting me, but one thing's sure, I won't capture him just by staring at him, so here goes. We move on to page 18 and we're on the cover. Yes. Basically, yeah. Mm -hmm. The caption says, Barreling in like a human bullet, the Scarlet Speedster hurls himself at his mocking enemy. As Barry fires forward, he thinks, Just as I anticipated, I can't penetrate the dark barrier that protects him, but there must be a way. And Shade says, Nothing can harm me in the zone of darkness, Flash. Absolutely nothing. Then, before his eyes, the Duke of Darkness begins to disappear. This is a great panel. It it's almost incredible. like... Yeah. It's almost like... It's like it's become the mist. Yes, and there's a painting in the wall, and this is sheer fluke, obviously, that kind of looks like a painting of the Neil Gaiman, Sam Keith, Dave McKean era Morpheus Sandman. So it does. It's great, isn't wow. it? Wow. It's very interesting, because I always, I always talk about issue 176 of The Flash Volume 1, anticipated Barry Allen's ultimate fate. So we'll maybe talk uh -huh. about that. In, anyway, yeah. so the shade is fading out. It kind of looks like smoke that's fading out. It's a gorgeous panel. Mm -hmm. It really is. And as he's fading out, the shade says... Had I known you were coming here... I'd have arranged to capture you too, but since you can never capture me in the zone of darkness, it really makes no difference. Caption of the final panel on page 18 says, Only a taunting voice reveals where the shade once stood. And the voice is coming out of nowhere. Just as it was impossible for you to harm me, so it is impossible for you to enter my dark dimension or capture me. I am now free to go on robbing an Earth One, as I have been doing. Farewell! And Barry Flash thinks... Despite all his boasts, I'll find a way to beat him and free my fellow Flash. We want to page 19. Invader from the Dark Dimension, part 3. The Earth-1 Flash breaks speed barrier after speed barrier in a desperate attempt to free the Flash of Earth-2. 
Always he is balked by the band of invisible black light that holds his friend in thrall. It's not a full page panel, and Barry's trying to get Jay out of the chair, and Barry says, I'll find a way yet to free you, Jay. Jay's surrounded by the same black order that we've already had elsewhere, and Jay says, Your best bet is to return to Earth-1 and somehow, in some way, capture the Shade and take his cane away from him. It's the cane that controls the black light that holds me prisoner. Wowza. Move on to page 20. The inking round the figures doesn't look like Carmine at all, does it? Mm. There's a touch of the toths to it. It's very different. It's remarkable. Mm. Anyway, I'm maybe overstating it. It's very nice anyway. So, Barry Flash says, You're right. I hate to run out on you like this, but the sooner I get after the shade, the sooner you'll be free. And Jay says... Good hunting and good luck, Barry. And we have a nice little side caption which says, Even as the Scarlet Speedster vibrates into his own world, four terrible menaces are stirring to life on Earth-1, under the command of the Shade and his Ebon Cane. So this next panel, we have a full figure of the Shade, and then there's sort of four little vignettes, shall we say, happening around them. So we'll go from... We'll go clockwise from the top. This very much reminds me of what Todd McFarlane did when he went on Infinity Incorporated. Right. He'd quite often have like a character posed prominently large that isn't actually taking part in the action and the thing, and then lots of scenes happening around him. Interesting. Uh, it's really good. Stay tuned for that when we go on to it. Yes. In <laughs> 2030. So, yes, going from clockwise, from the top left of the panel, the caption says... Where the ground shudders and splits apart under a battering from the dark dimension, an eerie man of anthracite coal rises out of a fissure in the ground. And that's what we see, a rough man-shaped... Yeah, he just looks like he's made out of coal, actually. That's really... Mm, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's terrific, yeah, yeah. just The later uh, yeah. Flash villain. Looming out of the, this pit of fire in the ground and lurching forward. And then the next caption says... Miles away in the Central City Museum, an empty suit of black armour begins to move with metallic stiffness. There's a couple of lads in suits running away, and one of them shouts... It's, it's alive! And the other one says... Let's get out of here! Moving to the next one, which is bottom right of page 20. This is... Oh, this is actually quite creepy. The caption says... While a massive blob of animated India ink flows across the fences and ditches of a countryside. And it has a vague sort of shape of, like, you know, those hands at the front, maybe a it head like a, and triceratops. A, yeah, sort of like thing a, a, a panther. Drank some jingles and got some stretching so, Stretching out. And then the final one in the, the clockwise sequence... This is cracking. This is outstanding. This page is going in the socials. Yes. A queer figure formed of black eight balls clicks along a superhighway. And that's what we see. It's got a big eight ball as a body and then arms and legs made out of other eight balls and hands made out of different sized eight balls and an eight ball for a head and an eight ball for a hat. Mental. Where did the giant eight balls come from? I don't know. It's insane. And it's worth pointing out the deranged expression on the shades oh, yeah, face fantastic. in this panel. It's he's great. He's loving every second of this. Yeah. Chaos is grating. So we move on to the top of page 21. Barry Flash is running up towards the coal man that we mentioned earlier who's busting outside of a building. The caption says, As the coal man passes through a factory absorbing its payroll cash within its vast bulk, the flash appears. Barry thinks as he runs up, this is the Shade's handiwork, and it's up to me to undo it. And then the next panel, Barry's running around it, doing his old whirlwind trick again, and the caption says, So swiftly does Flash travel that he causes air on all sides of the co-man to ignite, but... Wow. There's flames bursting out from where Barry's running, and Barry thinks, The co must be protected from the fire, by the same blackness which protected the Shade. Caption for the next panel says, He leaves one awesome menace and races to where the Black Knight is raiding an art gallery. And we see the, the suit of armour, and it's like it's drawing a painting in through the, the visor of the mouth. Yeah, yeah it's, quite, it's quite effective, mm-hmm. yeah. So Barry Flash runs in thinking, I ought to be able to KO at least one of these thieving menaces. And in the next panel, we've moved outside, and the caption says, From a fire hydrant, Flash frees a stream of water and directs it with pulse-stunning force at the black armour as it emerges from the art gallery. And sure enough, the armour is striding purposefully, and the water's scooshing towards it. And Barry thinks, Incredible, that water would knock over a dozen men, but the empty suit of armour keeps on moving. Then he abandons one foe to seek another. And it's the eight balls this time. They're walking towards the flashes he wants. This is another really nice panel. I love the shading on Barry. It's very atypical. Mm -hmm. Seems, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Do you think? Yeah. Anyway, Barry Flash is thinking, It's just robbed that bank. Perhaps I can blow these eight balls apart. Move on to the page 22. And the side panel that takes up the full depth of the page almost. Barry's doing his whirlwind trick at the eight balls and the caption says, 
The awesome wind that sweeps the central city streets and batters against the eight-ball giant is stronger than a hurricane, yet... And Barry thinks dejectedly, Failed again. I have one last hope to stop that flow of India ink. Put me in mind of the blob or something, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But even as he slides to a halt before the advancing torrent of black ink, the scarlet speedster slaps his forehead in disgust. Barry screeches to halt, saying, Oh, what an idiot I've been. The solution to my problem has been in front of me right along. I've seen it half a dozen times, yet it made no impression on me until this moment. It's so simple. Now I know how to go to the impenetrable dark dimension after the shade. Barry runs off. The caption says, What can the Flash have in mind as he turns and speeds away from the advancing ink blotch, even as it moves in to loot the city museum? I think the, the ink blotch is probably the scariest of these beasties. The eight ball is probably the weirdest. The coal man is probably the most interesting if you think about it for two minutes, and the suit of armour just reminds me of that Kolchak story. Yeah, I think that's as well. Awesome. In many ways, we have the same mind. <laughs> so, top of page 23, and the caption says, Racing hundreds of miles away in the wink of an eyelid, the fastest man on earth arrives at a branch of the United States Mint. Barry's thinking to himself as he runs into view. I'll find what I need in here. I'll have to borrow what I want and return it as soon as possible. The next caption says, Moving with that same incredible swiftness, he snatches up micro-thin sheets of 22-carat gold leaf and plasters them over his body. Hands vibrating at speed, the Flash thinks. I must make myself look like a statue of solid gold. The next caption, we're back at the museum where the ink blot was outside. The caption says, Then he races back to the museum and stands rigidly next to the other golden objects as the India ink flows toward them. And we see Barry completely covered in gold, standing still as a statue, and he thinks to himself, The only way I have of getting into the dark dimension where the Shade's hideout is, is to be taken there by one of the Shade's animated crooks. Caption says for the next panel. Slowly, questioningly, the India ink touches the golden flash, flows about him, and absorbs him. Genius, Barry. Yes, we see the ink creeping up over the flash. It must, I bet it was cold and clammy and horrible and really scary. And the flash thinks to himself, The shade has obviously instructed the ink to only take valuable objects. So I fill it into thinking a prized piece of loot. Can I just ask, have you seen many gold statues in museums? No, now you mention it. Yeah, it's not, I haven't, it's not actually. really something you, you come across that no. often. But it seems that's to be a very valid point. Yeah. Central City Museum, considering it's got all these rogues flying about. Yeah, you know. just let, we're just going to have... Yeah, that's the gold, yeah, the gold statue room, sir. Room 33, yes, just second on the right. Interesting. Anyway. So, bottom panel of page 23, Barry's inside the dark dimension. Indeed, the caption says... Moments later, inside the dark dimension... And the shade is... The shade looking very like Russell Brand, if he was playing the, the, the child catcher from... Chitty Chitty Bang Bang yes. in this panel. He's lordly, he's looming over his piles of cash. Barry, still covered in gold, is creeping up behind him and he thinks, There he is, thinking himself completely safe in this place. The shade won't have any of his protection about him. We move on to page 24. Instantly, the Sultan of Speed vibrates so swiftly, he sends a rain of gold leaves over his earth to foe. The gold leaves are all flying off Barry towards the shade. And the shade says, Oh no, the flash! How did you... Oh! And Barry thinks, now to grab his cane away from him. As the Flash's fist slams into the golden cheek of the Duke of Darkness, his other hand snatches away the cane. And we see that the shade is now completely covered in gold. Barry strikes him. Barry thinks, there, now I have the cane and can vibrate us both out of this place with all his stolen loot. But as the Scarlet Speedster is about to press the plunger and activate the wondrous walking stick. The shade is lying on his pile of cash and Barry's standing over him and the shade says... Flash, no, don't do it. If you press down the plunger, neither of us will ever be able to leave this place. There is the ring of truth in the Shade's almost hysterical voice. Here, give it back to me and I'll set you free. You just don't realise what terrible forces of darkness you're tampering with. Barry's thinking, if the Shade can work the cane, why can't I? Surely the cane doesn't know who's using it. What gives the Shade his power over it? The next caption reads... For a long moment, the Scarlet Speedster stands immobile. Then, with a grin, he bends forward and with his hands blurring in super speed, he strips off the Shade's gloves. Right enough. There's still gold, as much as probably worth saying at this point. And Barry says, Of course, it has to be your gloves. They must be treated in some manner that protects you from the awesome powers contained <laughs> in your walking stick. What? <laughs> yeah. That's meant? That's nonsense. Anyway, the next panel, it's next. worked. 
The caption says, Next moment, Flash presses the cane plunger and frees the shade and himself, together with the shade's loot from the Dark Dimension. And they're free from the Dark Dimension, and they're standing in a pavement, and there's a huge pile of cash, and the shade's still covered in gold, Barry's holding the cane, and he says triumphantly, Your next stop, Shade, is police headquarters. Move on to page 25, final page of the story. Simultaneously, the life force that was in the coal man, the black armour, the eight balls, and the ink dies out. And we see lumps of coal lying on the grass, it looks like. We see the eight balls ranged in a pavement, the suit of armour has fallen to pieces, and the ink is sort of dissolving, almost like it's been absorbed into the ground. The caption for the next panel. After leaving his prisoner with the police of Earth-1, Flash races into Earth-2, where... And we see Barry rescuing Jay. Barry says, I'm going to leave his cane with you, Jay. With the shade in an Earth-1 jail and his cane in Earth-2, we'll be safe for some time to come. And Jay says, I never doubted for a moment you'd succeed, Flash. And our final caption, One thing remains to be done. Flash returns Iris's stolen engagement ring to her, so that later when he visits her as Barry Allen... And we see Barry and Iris. Iris is delighted, isn't she? She's yes. showing off the ring and she says, When we're married, Barry, you just have to ask the Flash to be your best man after all he's done for us. And Barry says, yes, dear. And he thinks, I'll face that problem when I come to it. The, the end. end. Well. What do you think the um, extradition is like between Earth 1 and Earth 2? Yeah, it's a thought, how, isn't how it? do you do this? How does that work? They um, must, yeah, the police must have thought about all that sort of stuff, but now there must be a precedent for it. How did 1, 2, 3 tie up? How did JLA 22 tie up? Were they, they, were they, they, went, on, they went back to their own Earth, I'm yeah. sure, and were imprisoned there. I suppose there's probably a whole chapter missing where Barry had to sort of explain to the police who he was and where he was from. I am fascinated by the Shade's gloves protecting him from the cane and the cane mm-hmm. being the source of his power and the Shade wearing contact lenses so they can see in the dark. Yeah, it seems quite tech-like, doesn't this it? This is all stuff so that's, like we said at the start, we're so used to the shades as we got to know him in the James Robinson Tony Harris series when yep. he was he was the creature of darkness. That's right. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the story? Uh, yeah, it's good. Very enjoyable. It's, um, Jay's not in it that much. Yeah. But, but that is kind of how they set it up. They say kind of like, uh, also guest starring. Actually, it doesn't even say guest starring. What does it, it say? It says... Plus a guest appearance. A guest appearance, not guest yeah. starring. I think out of the Flash team-ups that we've done, mm-hmm. it's the most Barry-centric. Yes, definitely. Huh? It's, it almost reads like a regular case for him, and Jay's appearance is the icing on the cake. I, I mean, as different as the shade is to what we've got used to, I really, it was nice to sort of see him being centre stage almost. Yeah, and we will see him again in the pages of The Flash. He yes. does make return uh, visits. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yes. Uh, quite, quite a while off, mm-hmm. but you know we'll see him again. I'm pretty sure he's in one of the JLAJC, at least at least another one JLAJC yeah, uh-huh. team up. Definitely, uh-huh. and, so, and he's one of the few name prominent DC characters that doesn't feature in Crisis and Infinite Earths. Oh. Not in it at all. Believe me, I checked. Probably. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to do the reader reaction to issue 151 now. Yep, this is from Flashgrams in issue 154. And the first letter says, Dear Editor, the Flash number 151 featuring Invader from the Dark Dimension was terrific. I've never seen the shade before, but I liked him. The plot was just too cool. I like these down-to-earth <laughs> plots where the answer is so simple to catch the criminal, yet seems impossible to fulfil. Yeah, just take his gloves off, that's mental. I don't like the way you sometimes put Flash in spots where he notices everything about the criminal, then quickly captures him. If the plot and answer are simple, but the human mind doesn't immediately hit upon the solution, it makes Flash more human, acting like a real person instead of a fictional character. The artwork was spectacular, the title catchy, and the appearance of Jay, original Flash Garrick, super spectacular. I never read Flash of Two Worlds, the first double Flash story, but no matter how high that story was rated, this one surely topped it. Please convey my applause and praise to the writer and artist of this story, whoever they are. That's from Michael Gresick from Chicago, Illinois. Interesting. I mean, I feel the, the black lines were really heavy the further on it went. it was. Mm. I wonder if it was almost trying to suggest that the darkness or the influence of the dark dimension, or maybe I'm reading too much into it. Anyway, the editorial response to that letter. In comic book biz, even as in showbiz, audience applause is music to the ears of the performers. Acknowledging your bouquets for Invader from the Dark Dimension are... Gardner Fox writer, Carmine Infantino penciler, and Joe Giella, the inker, and the editor. So the next letter. Dear editor, you know the best thing about the now famous Double Flash yarns is that we are continually being introduced to new and quite modestly terrific villains. Well, I'm not saying that Jay, old Flash Garrick, is a has-been. It's just that after the novelty of seeing him way back in Flash 1, 2, 3, the chief hope of yours truly has been that you'll find it in your heart to bring back all the three new evildoers who went almost unnoticed in that memorable issue, The Thinker, Fiddler and Shade. Well, sir, 
After a rather long but hardly dismal wait, one third of my grand hope has come to pass. That baddie in black is back. Talk about phenomenal returns. In Flash 123, the shades seemed to be the weakest of the evil trio, and admittedly, what attracted me more than anything was his exceedingly handsome Ebon costume. But now we find it's not merely a dark cloud to pull off his capers, but in truth, he has at his disposal a whole honest-to-goodness dimension. Now that, sir, is what I call a mighty powerful villain. But even after this triumphant march from Limbo, there remains one almost foolish question to be asked. Is he really back to stay? If so, can he possibly maintain the high degree of quality displayed in the current issue? And if not, is there any chance that if we hit you with enough letters, postcards, bombs and what have you, bombs? The Baron of Blackness might again return to be added to Flash's mighty arsenal of adversaries. And that's from Paul Baluski, Manchester, Connecticut, I'm guessing. The editorial response. When it comes to reader bombardment, your missive turned out to be a missile. And a mighty potent one at that. The Shade will be back, without a shadow of a doubt. Says the editor, Julie Schwartz. Interesting. Next letter, dear editor. <laughs> good heavens, what a beautiful vision of villainy. The bottom of page 20 depicting the shade standing amidst four of the horrors of his creation. I could go into volumes in praise of this single panel, but suffice to say that the cook with the cane has never looked <laughs> finer. The rest of the artwork for this issue was adequate for Flash, superb for any other publication. If I could have one criticism to make of the entire issue, it would be that the other Flash did not get into enough of the action being imprisoned in that chair throughout most of the story. This, however, was entirely made up for by the fast-moving action of our own Earth-1 Flash. He was forced to use his wits rather than mere speed to capture the villain in black, and he used them admirably. That's from Don Marchstein from New Orleans. I do like you know, the letters pages are referring to Earth-1 and Earth-2 Flashes. Yes. Was there a response to that one? There certainly was. Short cool. and sharp. The mild critical point raised by this reader gets the full treatment by the next one. Okay, so the next letter. Dear Editor, with eager anticipation I had awaited the reappearance of Jay Garrick, the original Flash, in another double Flash epic. But upon reading Invader from the Dark Dimension, I was disappointed, disheartened, dismayed. For Invader was at best an average Flash story, and no means even approaching the great double Flash classics of the past. Wow, there must have been three of them. Mm -hmm. The major reason for this potentially great story to flop was that the original Flash served as a mere hostage for the major part of the action that could easily have been replaced by Kid Flash, for whom playing a weak supporting role seems to be a habit. Oh gosh. Blimey. In fact, if the boy's speedster had been used instead of Jay Garrick, the story probably would have appealed to me more. Also, notably absent was the old Justice Society of America, which had mm -hmm. often jazzed up the double Flash adventures of the past. And that's from David Colton, Mount Vernon, New York. And the short response... It may sound like we're passing the buck... Actually, it's only 12 cents. But the jazzy kicks you're looking for can only be found in the current Justice League of America, featuring the original Flash and Justice Society of America, Ooh. says the editor. While we've been reading these letters, I've had another thought. What's that? So the Shade was robbing Earth 1, and then yes. spending his loot on Earth 2. Yes. Now, are the mints <laughs> the same? Are, the, are the faces yes. in the films the same? That's an excellent is point. Is maybe Aaron Burr on the $50 note? Is maybe Alexander Hamilton on the 20 I don't know who any two? of these people are. Uh, they are <laughs> political figures. In, uh, no, that's a really good history. point. I mean, it's similar. Have we talked? I think we've talked about this before. We might have done, we but it is, done. it is something I always think about in these parallel stories because there are differences. Yeah, I mean, obviously, because he was sitting with a huge pile of cash. It mm -hmm. wasn't like he had gold bullion yeah. or raw uncut diamonds which would be easier to sort of but yeah do those serial numbers exist if they are the same yeah you know, that's because that's that's obviously the whole point of the start was that there was an, there were identical engagement rings mm -hmm. which just sort of highlights it like presumably there's no way the money would be exactly the same that's hmm okay, maybe we, he's trying to spend it and they say this is forced money so this is not yeah, real so this isn't legal tender yeah it's perfectly fine where what, I come from what if they're you know like pink notes in earth to, and yeah. you know he's taking all these green notes so I wonder if you never think, know I wonder if we're thinking about this too hard no, no that's <laughs> never, fine never that was a lot of fun seeing a story of the shade and mm -hmm. generally comparing them to to how I think of them mm -hmm. I can imagine sort of James Robinson doing a little polish and yeah. We're treating that as a time's past. And because, as we said at the start, the only time he appeared back in the day was with one story with Jay Garrick. Yeah, just, which is bizarre when you think and about it. 
and Robinson did was really play up the, the rivalry between them and there's a great panel I can remember in one issue it may have been one issue of the Shade miniseries well, she just conjured basically a giant pair of scissors uh-huh. out of his dark force, and Jay's running around it. And you know, they play up how it's almost like a, a issue friendly, three, I think. yeah, issue three, yeah. It's a, with the one of the spider, which mm-hmm. was mind blowing. And the thing that Robinson really played up was that it was almost like a playful game between them, yes. With all that in mind, it's fascinating to read an older story. And I tell you, I can't wait till we get to All Star Squadron and I start reacting to how Roy Thomas was writing Starman and Sandman, but that's way in the future, uh-huh. So that's what we thought about this issue and what the readers at the time thought about this issue. What did you think about this issue? What did you think about this episode? Please get in touch. You can email us at theearth2podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on Facebook at facebook.com, theearth2podcast, because we'll be posting some of those amazing panels that we spoke about. And you'll see that coming up. And also, we're on Twitter at podcast underscore Earth2. Make sure you follow us there. And we're on Instagram as well at the Earth2 Podcast. Yep, we add all sorts of stuff on the Instagram for the content and context to, to the, the stories we've covered. So make sure you check that out. And please, if you can, rate us and review us on your respective podcast supplier because that really does help our visibility and might even get some more listeners. I hope you've enjoyed this trip into the Dark Dimension. Uh, we'll catch you again next week on... The Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. Soon after. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Our longest episode yet, (laughs) listeners. Okay.